Welcome to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. This is the place where you'll learn cutting-edge personal brand strategies from today's most recognizable influencers. We're going to teach you how to build a rock-solid reputation and then how to turn that reputation into revenue. I'm your lead host, Rory Vaden, co-founder of Brand Builders Group, Hall of Fame speaker, and New York Times bestselling author of Take the Stairs. I am always amazed at the people that we get a chance to meet at Brand Builders. And every once in a while, we just meet somebody who just kind of captures us and goes, wow, how did we not know each other yet? And that is how I feel about Dr. Margie Worrell, who you're about to meet. So she is a five times bestselling author. She is a Forbes columnist. She's a world-renowned advisor on <laughs> leadership and human potential. And she works with companies like NASA and Google and Deloitte and Berkshire Hathaway. And she's a speaker. She does consulting and really has just spent 25 years doing research and kind of just working in the field to help people boost their courage and elevate performance and accelerate their growth. So she also lectures at Columbia and Georgetown, and she's been on the New York Times and several other success magazine Today show is just awesome. And we got a chance to meet here not that long ago, Visa Brand Builders Group. And as I got to learn more about her, I felt like you needed to hear her story. So Dr. Margie, welcome to the show. Rory, it is awesome to be with you always. <laughs> so tell us your story about how you got started in this space. And correct me if I'm wrong. So the way that we understand now is like a big part of your business model is from speaking and you know, driving revenue in the last several years from speaking. But you also traveled a bunch internationally. You were a mom. Like You had a lot of things going on that I think people often would go, if I had those things going on, I probably couldn't build the kind of career that you've been able to build. So give us a little bit of that background. As you can probably tell from my accent, I'm from the deep, 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 deep south um, <laughs> and the land down under. So yeah, I, I grew up in Australia and I went off to university first in my family to do so, studied business, started a corporate career and did a lot of backpacking also in my 20s. But in my late 20s, while living in Papua New Guinea and working there, I just, you know, numerous personal challenges, struggles, trauma, etc. I changed career path and decided I wanted to work in the field of helping people deal with the stuff that keeps us from really thriving and living the lives we're born to live and becoming all that we're born to be. And I went back to college, I did psychology, and then someone said to me, you know, Margie, you've done some consulting, you've worked in business, you, you should think about coaching. I remember laughing and saying, oh my gosh, do you know how uncoordinated I am? It's just, I'm so not athletic. I don't know why you think I would be a good coach. <laughs> and I mean, this was in the early days of coaching. But of course, I found out what they were talking about was not, you know, being a soccer coach. And I started while well, I moved to the United States in between all of this and having my four kids and living in Dallas, Texas, I started my own coaching business. I realized very quickly that you can have a coaching business and no customers if no one knows who you are. And I was mm. new to America. I was, had zero, zero network besides a few mums in the neighborhood. And so everyone knew me as the stay-at-home mum with four kids. And right. for me, it was 
how do I do what I really want to do when no one knows who I am? And so that's where actually I started speaking for free anywhere and everywhere that would have me Ah. to try and get some coaching clients. And so I was just super excited if people would sign up for a free coaching session at the end of me giving a talk at like, you know, it could have been a mum's club or there was American Businesswomen's Association or companies would do free brown bag lunches and I would speak anywhere and everywhere. And really over time, I came to realize the thread that was running through so much of what I would talk about. And part of it was about balance and having difficult conversations and pursuing what lights you up and saying no to what doesn't. And I realized the thread that was running through it all was having more courage and daring to be braver and take a risk and risk rejection and put ourselves out there. And so that led to my first book, which was called Find Your Courage. And it was very much an act of courage for me at the time to write it. I had four kids, seven and under. And I I wrote it in nap times in the afternoons. And I had a huge voice in my head that was very loud, often saying, who the hell do you think you are to write a book? You know, you're just, you didn't get a great education in rural Australia, et cetera. But it was really me, I guess, daring to make a bet on myself and thinking, you know, I don't want to look back one day and think I wished I'd been braver. So that's kind of the, that was the start of the journey that's led me to where I am now. <laughs> I mean, lots of people have those kinds of things. And I mean, four kids is no joke. I mean, keeping track of four kids and be like, oh, I'm going to write a book in my spare time, which is nap time, which, you know, <laughs> if you have four kids, getting all four of them asleep at the same time might last you like 17 minutes if you're lucky. Oh, no. I mean, it was threats and bribes. Can I just be clear? <laughs> you stay in your room for one hour until the bell goes, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, but. So you started that. Now, I I really wanted to highlight because this is part of what we teach at Brand Builders is you got to go speak for free. That's how it starts. You just got to go speak for free and Mm -hmm. give people a chance to sample you. So that's interesting to hear that part of your story. I mean, everybody I know that is a successful speaker, like that's how they started. Like you're just out there speaking. So I want to talk about, so you started as coaching business then became an author and then leveraged off that to get your speaking gigs. Is that how you got your first speaking gigs too? Was just speaking for free until someone asked you to, if you could hire you? Yeah. I mean, the book came later. I really lack confidence. I had a lot of self-doubt. It's probably why I've spoken so much about self-doubt because I doubted myself so much. So the speaking was how I got coaching clients. The book definitely came afterward. But yeah, the speaking was really crucial part of that all. And I hear sometimes people say, oh, never speak for free. And, you know, if you've come from being in some big role and you've already got some stellar reputation and you're well, you're already an established brand and entity, okay, maybe that will work for you and great. But I would never have got anywhere had I been waiting on someone to pay me from the beginning because no one was going to pay me because no one knew the value that I had. I had to demonstrate that value. And that came from speaking for free. One was demonstrating the insight I had as a coach. People could go, oh, you know what? She's got some wisdom and some expertise and some ideas that will be valuable to me. And I like her, you know, it's like kind of establishing that, like, this is someone that I would trust. Over time, obviously, the more I spoke, I started to actually develop a skill in speaking. And tapped into a late talent that I honestly, a gift I didn't know I had, to be truthful. When you first got paid to speak, was that basically referrals? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the first time I ever spoke was at my kid's preschool. Nice. Yeah. And like two people showed up, the woman who ran the preschool and the cleaning lady. So it was very humble beginning. But the first paid speaking engagement, one of my early clients, very early clients, and I I didn't charge a lot of money. She worked for a big consulting firm and she'd said, would you come in and speak there as part of a brown bag lunch, which was free. So I went in there and I spoke to working mums on work-life balance and someone there was from HR and they said, we've got an International Women's Day event coming up. We're looking for a speaker. We would love you to come. We've got to, you know, how much do you charge? And I had no idea about fees. And I remember saying, Rory, how's $200? Nice. And she was so quick to say, yeah, that sounds great. And I remember thinking, <laughs> I think I I think I went too I low. Got more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then someone was there. And then, you know, I mean, all of the paid speaking came from all of the unpaid speaking. And then, of course, the book amplified it. And then a lot of media when my first book came out. And then, you know, it's a ripple effect, right? And you can't, it's easy to go, well, it was one thing I did. But it was, I wrote for a women's magazine for free. And then someone there connected me into Forbes and I started writing for Forbes. And then I ended up with my own column and then landed on the Today Show. And then it was one thing after another, but there wasn't one clear recipe. I couldn't say, do this, then do this. It was just continually doing things that I hoped would, you know, make an impact. And over time, sure enough, you know, all of those little things, those daily strokes of effort you get to another level. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about your expertise now because it's like, you know, after that, like the last several years, you really have been very specifically focused on researching around courage and being brave. And that mm-hmm. to me is a very relevant conversation here to anyone who's an entrepreneur or an expert or someone building a personal brand because there's so many things to be afraid of. Like, I don't know how to write a book. I don't know how to mm-hmm. go live on social media. I don't know how to build a funnel. I don't know how to do a demo video. I don't know how to reach out to a literary. You're like, I don't know any of these things. And of course, it's a huge part of what we talk about and teach at Brand Builders Group. But there's another part of it, which is just straight up old fashioned, like fear. What do we need to know about that and getting ourselves past that? I think you've got to give yourself permission not to get it perfectly right and to take risks and to try things and not have them land brilliantly. You don't know everything and you are going to iterate and you're going to learn and you're going to evolve as you go along. And I think a mistake I see people making is thinking that they have to have the perfect plan and the perfect clarity even. And yes, it's great having a lot of clarity and it's great having someone like you and the brand builders group to provide a roadmap but still what works for one person isn't going to work exactly you can't copy and paste everything we're all different we have different things that we're good at and that we like to do and i think give yourself permission to experiment and to iterate and to evolve as you move forward because you're going to learn well, this works for me, but this doesn't work. And that might work for the Margie, but it's it's just not me. Not everyone. I started out coaching, as I said, and I've got friends that have been coaching for 25 years. And they're like, Margie, I couldn't think of anything worse than speaking. It's just not my thing. <laughs> and so we're all different. Not everyone wants to write a book. Not everyone loves being on Instagram and doing Insta Live, you know? So sure. I think we have to, there's something things we need to do because they really make an impact but also 
trust yourself and what feels right for you and where do you kind of tend to have the most resonance too because that's going to make an impact in how often you do it, how well you do it, how much you're learning and and how successful that is for you. And just kind of the mindset of approaching it as like, yeah, who cares what happens? Just an experiment, like just kind of like, let's just see what happens and kind of go from there versus all of the pressure of like, it has to be perfect and dialed in. And, and if it doesn't, because then it's like, if it doesn't work, it's never going to work. I'm not going to work because we've had so much pressure. Yeah. It's like, you know what? I tried that and you know what? It didn't land brilliantly, but what did you learn from it? You know, I always looking for what is the learning? How do I take that learning? And, you know, I remember early on, Rory, I was living in, in Dallas, Texas, and I met someone and she said, oh, Maggie, you should be the expatriate wife coach because I was a foreigner living in the US and I could coach other women who are wives. And I remember thinking, she's like, you need to find your niche. And I was like, it just didn't feel right. <laughs> so sometimes people are going to tell you what you need to do. And, you know, I say, get lots of advice and get it from people who know their stuff. Like, honestly, you're a great example of that. But not all advice is going to be the right advice for you. And I think that's important. Wait, wait, you mean not all advice from me is going to be the right advice for you? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, Dr. Margie. Your advice, Rory, <laughs> is about as good as it gets. And of course, you do it in a way that obviously allows people to make it feel congruent. But I tell you what, there are a lot of experts out there that can kind of give you their five-point plan and it might not be congruent for you. And I think just being authentic is really important. And I think today, I mean, you guys talk about trust a lot. We want to deal with people that we can trust and who are real and authentic and not some overly curated version veneer that you go, well, who is it? Who is that really, that person? And I think being congruent is super important and just being real and, you know, people who are can be overly polished sometimes, I think it actually can almost work against them. Hi, it's AJ Vaden, and thanks for listening to the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. Did you know that the ideas we share on the show are things we actually specialize in helping you implement? If you want to raise your public profile and turn your reputation into revenue, please visit freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for a free brand strategy call with one of our personal brand strategists. Again, that's freecall.brandbuildersgroup.com to sign up for your free call. Talk to you soon. That's totally true. So I want to talk about the word timidity for a second. That's a word that we've talked a lot about. You and I have had some conversations around. What is timidity exactly? How is it different from fear? What do we need to know about the way that it functions and operates? And like, why is it such a big deal? Well, all of us can be timid at times, of course. All of us can be everything at times. We can all be bold and brave and we can all be timid and overly cautious. And I believe that timidity is very prevalent in the world in which we live because we live in a climate of fear and a culture that actually sort of feeds on fear and fuels a lot of it and fuels a lot of self-doubt and fuels a lot of timidity. And timidity drives people to hold back 
from taking actions that would actually serve them, that would help them to learn and to grow and to open new doors of opportunity and build new connections. And so we tend to fail far more from timidity than we do from overdaring. And timidity, in a sense, is very much overcaution. We're being overly cautious. We're holding back. And you could say, oh, well, it's a personality trait, but ultimately it is, it's a decision that we make often unconsciously to not take an action because we're worried about the consequences of it. And often we discount the cost of timidity. There's a steep hidden tax that comes with timidity that we're often not present to because it's not immediate. It's really dramatic or obvious, but we pay that tax over time in our lives because we don't try things. We don't experiment. We don't put ourselves out there. We don't try and write the book or approach someone and, or give the talk or, or whatever it is. And that really, we don't know what doors didn't open. But the reason I have a passion for helping people overcome the bias toward timidity is because I see it holding potential hostage and keeping people from really, I mean, you could say shining their light, you know, really living the biggest lives they're capable of living. And ultimately, a lot of people end up languishing. They kind of get stuck procrastinating. They get stuck making excuses and settling and selling themselves short. And not only do they miss out, but everyone misses out. Mm -hmm. It's like a sobering thought to go, the reason I haven't gotten certain things in my life, maybe that I want to have, is less because I'm not qualified to do it or able to do it, but that it's just sheerly from the fact that I have convinced myself to not try mm -hmm. to do it. Yes, that is right. And I shared with you how for me, even starting out, there was a little voice in my head saying, who do you think you are? It was like to give a talk, to start, honestly, a coaching business. I was like, who am I to even have my own business? <laughs> And who am I to write a book? Who am I to, you know, do television or, you know, in the more recent years, do my PhD, et cetera. And I've just learned to identify that voice as a voice. It's not who I am. It's just fear. And timidity is just one expression of fear and not to give it power because too often we give that voice of timidity power to call the shots. It's, it's in the driver's seat. It doesn't have to be that way. I mean, that's where courage comes into it. Courage is the decision to take action in the presence of perceived or real risks. You might fail. You mightn't write the most brilliant book that's ever been written. You might give a speech and it mightn't be brilliant. You might try something and it mightn't be the best investment. But how will you ever know if you don't try? And how will you ever get better at it if you don't give yourself permission to not be brilliant starting out? And I think to your point, Rory, it's not the barriers, the external obstacles around us that hold us back. It is the belief systems that we're buying into, the ones that fuel that timidity. And so, you know, at the end of the day, there comes a moment of choice and go, who is it I choose to be? And where am I letting my fear of not having what it takes keep me from taking action? That's having the courage to take action despite our innate timidity. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting to hear you even talk about it as like timidity is this voice that's not who I am, like separating it. I think that's probably half the battle here is separating it and realizing that's not you. 
you have the ability to exercise influence or control over that thing. It is separate and independent of you and what you want. Yeah. You know, I often think giving it a name, you know, and you're in a chicken little, right? In my book, you've got this chapter two is doubt your doubts and and doubt your doubts is really doubting that voice that shows up and fuels that timidity. And we treat those little negative noises and those doubting voices, that little chicken little as though it's the truth and it's not the truth, but we treat it as though it's, it's the truth. And I think learning to challenge what you're telling yourself And there's a real physical element to it too, like really stepping in and holding ourselves powerfully. Like, Where do you need to connect to your own inner brave heart, hold yourself that way and embrace the discomfort that is a prerequisite for overcoming timidity and for being brave and for taking those actions. And the more we embrace discomfort as part and parcel of what it takes to do what it is we really need to do and want to do, like in our heart of hearts, then actually more comfortable we, we become with doing uncomfortable things. And I think it was Tony Robbins that said years ago, you know, our success is proportionate to how willing we are to be uncomfortable. And I absolutely couldn't agree more with that. It is uncomfortable work. But I think being successful, however you define success, that's never going to happen if you stay comfortable. And timidity just drives us to stay in our comfort zone. But of course, comfort doesn't stay comfortable forever and our comfort zone shrinks. And over time, we become more timid and less confident, you know, more scared, more doubtful, less brave and courageous. So over the course of our lives, I think we have to continually be challenging ourselves. And so to anyone who's listening, I know that you've got an an incredible audience of people doing great things and who want to do more great things, but perhaps sometimes get in their own way because they're afraid of falling short. And I would say, give yourself permission to fall short. And when that little voice of timidity pipes up, say, thank you very much. I know you're trying to keep me safe now. Shut up and step forward anyway. Yeah. I mean, that is powerful. So tactical, I think. And so so useful. Where, Dr. Margie, should people go to connect with you? I know, obviously, you've written for a long time for Forbes, so some of them might be already reading your Forbes column, but like, where do you want people to go if they want to like learn more about what Dr. Margie is doing? I'm pretty much all social media, Insta, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Please connect with me. I'd love you to connect with me there. But you can also go to my website, margiewarrell.com. And if you type in forward slash live bravely, you can sign up for my free course on how you can be braver. It's a four-part video course that I created that is share some of my some stories and some practical ways that you can step it up in your own life to overcome whatever fear is getting in your way. I love it. Well, we'll put links to that over in the show notes. And Dr. Margie, thank you for this. I mean, this, I think just strikes right at the core of that, like that courage and, and winning that battle with that little voice. I mean, if you can beat that little voice every day, then you like pretty much can do just about anything. Amen. Very true. Well, thank you so much for having me, Rory. Great to talk to you. All right. We wish you the best. We'll follow your journey. Everyone go check out Dr. Margie and keep coming back. We'll catch you next time. Bye-bye.
That's all we've got for this episode of the Influential Personal Brand Podcast. But here's some great news. One of the most valuable things you can do to help us and other new potential listeners to find our show is for you to both rate this show and leave a review. So as a special bonus for you, if you leave us a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen, take a screenshot of your review and email it to podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. We will give you free 30-day access to 25 of our most popular interviews on video in your own private members-only area. So go right now, rate us, review us, and then send a screenshot of it into podcast at brandbuildersgroup.com. And we'll get you set up with free access to our most popular video interviews all in one place. Also, just please share, share, share this podcast with anyone who you think might enjoy it. And until next time, remember that building a business isn't nearly as valuable as building a reputation.